burden. Did I burden tell you guys about my farts? Oh. I mean, only every day. What? Tell me about your farts. Well, I'm still really proud of of when you and I were talking about like hanging out in bed in the morning and uh, making friends under the covers, just in case you want to hang out with them. Like they're all down there. This, you know, they're there. It's just in case you get lonely, you lift up the covers, and there's all your friends. That's how I used to feel about my acne. <laughs> At least I was never alone. Oh, Gosh. I missed you guys. <laughs> I've never been friends with any part of my body. <laughs> well, except for one. I don't care. Just It just has to be big enough for a haiku. How's it go? 535? Five, 575. Five, five, what eight. could you do with 535? You'll, you'll find same. out. You can do the exact same thing. Five, seven, five, okay. There once was a oh, man. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'll <laughs> buy your fuck. Can you do a haiku limerick? No. Probably. No, because no, a limerick is there once was a man from Nantucket. So you got from <laughs> Nantucket. You're, you're four short on the first line. From the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington, episode 70, where every Tuesday 70. we pick up a whole bunch of books, we bring them back to our shop, go through them all, anxiously, excitedly run home and read them all and bring them back here to uh, sell them to our wonderful customers and talk about them amongst ourselves in this secluded room. Boys, I love you. That's why we do it. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, I'm Jeff, and I had planned earlier today a really clever thing that I was going to say here, and now oh. I forget it. I'm Django. I'm Roman, um, and uh, now I feel all this pressure. I need to do like a double clever thing for me and Django, but I got nothing. So, wow, I'm Braden, Braden, um, you got it. You're the only one who's gonna have a thing. Well, I'm Braden, and this whole time I've just been wondering if we made a '69 joke or not on our last episode. We didn't. We and it was Valentine's Day '69. Are you guys sure? We we may have brought we up that '69 was Valentine. I think we maybe mentioned that we were doing it right. Because, I thought there was some know. oblique reference, but we were all too mature to actually make the joke. I'm very mature. Yeah. I'm Jeff, and I'm very mature. I'm Django, and Roman's got nothing. But I'm mature. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a baby. You guys, this last yeah. couple of days, Django and I were down in the Portland, in the old Portland area, getting glad-handed by a bunch yeah. of pub, Portland pub lickers. Yeah, pressing TDX. The, pressing TDX. the flesh, kissing the comic babies. Kissing yeah. the comic rings. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. A lot of press conferences, a lot of meetings, a lot of crying babies. and God, people. they took so many pictures of us. They Do you have any uh, super professional business retailer insider uh, insights? Yeah. We actually yeah. did get a lot of really good stuff out of it. I think it's extremely boring for muggles. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I loved it. We met some good people. We met some yeah. good stores. We met some really nice publishers. I, we... I shook Josh Williamson's hand. Yeah. Oh, have you watched it yet? No, no. And I also uh, got to remind um, Matt Rosenberg that we're Facebook friends. <gasps> he pretended to remember. <laughs> yeah, Matt Rosenberg was there yeah. looking like a buxom young man. Yeah. Chango and I stood out like a fucking sore thumb <laughs> in this convention. We were the only ones that the, the girl with the piercings was comfortable asking if we had weed. Oh, gosh. On, like the <laughs> second or third day, this girl came up to me and she was like, hey, uh... 
I don't mean, I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds, but like, do you, do you have any smoke? And I was like, proud, I was like, I haven't smoked cigarettes in several months, actually. And then I was like, oh wait, did you mean weed? And, and she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh. It's legal I, here. I can see where it's your best shot. I don't have any on me. Um, have you gone to a store? She's like, I don't have my medical card. Like, it's legal here, dude. You can just go and get it. And she was like, no fucking way. I was gonna say, where was she from? I mean, you're important. There were people from New York. There were people from Australia, New Zealand. There oh. were people from Texas, like all Dublin? over the world. Dublin. What was that Dublin store you went to? God, I'm so provincial. I was thinking it was just people from the Northwest. No, no, it's like um, a, a big yearly thing that they was... do all over. Like it changes location. Oh, okay. Spot, God, what was the store in Dublin? It was a uh, Forbidden Planet. Yeah, that guy was there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. He told me where he was from, and then he turned around and walked away. He didn't didn't really want to hang out much. <laughs> Man, it was from Dublin. It, <laughs> it was it was awesome. There was one moment where I don't know what or why I was cracking up about it on my way into work today, but for some reason we were like, we were, I mean, we spent a lot of time at big tables in a large room listening to very important people talk about very comic booky things, and. Uh, at one point, I don't know what or why, I think that at one point Django and I had like a 15-minute break, so we ran up to the bar and <laughs> took shots and then came back down. And uh, and we went to this table with these people, and for some reason these two strangers were on his right, and Django just started saying random things to me. They weren't random. I was, I was... You said something about like, I wish I had a bladder, like a full <laughs> bladder, and which immediately sounds exactly like what it is, which is I wish I had a full bladder or something. I I, w I was saying I wish I had a like a bladder of whiskey to to drink from. Yeah, but I think you just said I wish I had a bladder of whiskey, which is like I you. which is a very confusing statement. So I just sort of like brushed it off, and then I looked back at him, and he was doing this gesture at me. I was I was pressing down on the bladder of whiskey with my arm and drinking out of a hose. It was it was like that. But it was also tipped forward and it was like this at this table. But he didn't realize at the time that there was these two like older retailers just like watching him like silently communicate to me. Oh, oh. And uh, it was fucking awesome. Uh, we were just consistently like um, just a little just behind. The, just a little, just the coolest dudes in the room. We were oh, just yeah. like the kids who were like probably going back behind the convention center to smoke cigarettes. You know, like voted most likely. Yeah, just just the coolest boys there. Uh, it was it was both uncomfortable and pretty awesome. We stood out. Yeah, and, and like everybody that we talked to, like I, I really enjoyed. Hanging out with like all the retailers were super oh my cool, God. super nice, super sharing. Yeah, everybody. Like, it was just a whole big group of friends. It would really recharge the really recharge the tank, refueled the battery. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we met like Daniel at Big Planet Comics. Was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was rad. Can't wait to go there. We hung out with Things from Another World, which is this this really big store that we just followed them around. Like there's this tiny shop in the wing of these three guys who like. Every retailer was like, oh, things from another world is here at our table. <laughs> yeah, we, we messed up and just kind of ended up tied to them for two full days. But they just, but yeah. They super was, cool. And they were super nice, man. Like, the, oh, the heads of the Valiant people were super cool. The Boom, like the head of Boom oh. took us out for all we could eat, all we could drink. The Boom this Boss. Bar, the Boom Boss. Boom Boss. Philip. 
Um, yep. Yeah, he was super nice. I, I even gave him an idea that he wrote down with his hand. In his oh. phone. Yeah. He was he and Django hit it off. That boom thing was very cool. Yeah. It was a small bar, and they, they had paid to like rent this place out because they had had such uh, a good year. And they, oh, just nothing makes you feel more important than people giving you a lot of free food and alcohol. Mm-hmm. It, that's that's why they're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So order more of their books. Exactly. And that night, I only had one drink that night, and then waited a while. But then we went back to the car to drive to our Airbnb, and we were staying in this, the parking garage of this very nice hotel. And we got back to the parking garage, and we got in the car, and the battery was dead. Oh, no. So at, like, it was, like, 9 or something, and we had to, like, go back down the hotel. I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And Django was like, no, it's cool. We're just going to go down and pretend we're staying in the hotel. <laughs> uh, it's going to be very good. We're going to get a jump. And, like, the most smooth, like... <laughs> Oh, we we got a jump all right. We got out of there. Django oh, slipped a guy gosh. ten bucks. It was oh my very good. It was the best smelling hotel ever. Yep. I kept going. It was Ty there? No, it's <laughs> smelled no. better than Ty. Whoa! If, if Ty was a campfire, yeah, yeah, Whoa. and prettier. Not that Ty's not very pretty because he's very pretty. Yeah, smelled like a girl at a campfire. Yeah, it was very very good. <laughs> Everyone there was incredibly kind, and I do not like groups, and I do not like... Yeah, Django, we did a great job of seeming more confident than we are. I think so. Great job. Django just sort of pulls me kicking and screaming, and then I stand there silently and kind of intimidatingly, and people are sort of just like, who the fuck is this kid? And then I'll say something, and they're like, oh, I guess he... He knows something. He's my muscle. (laughs) He's my brain I'm Tom Hagen, uh, which really brings us to why we're here. We're here to talk about one thing. The Godfather. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get our Godfather content out there. Sure. Are we doing the Godfather hour? We're just reviewing one hour at a time on a podcast? One hour, all three movies, no shirts. <laughs> Is that the one with uh, Adam Sandler and the remote? Yes. Gets? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, um, we're going to be talking about Ice Cream Man number two. Um, we're also going to be talking about WWF. Uh, <laughs> WWE number 14. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, it doesn't have a word on it. Just, where's the E? It's sideways. Ugh. So it's included with the WWs. Ugh. Uh, Punk's Not Dead, number one. Batman, number 41. James Bond, The Body, number two. Uh, Bloodborne, number one. <laughs> Uh, deathbed oh, number one. Oh, it's all fucked. It's all going down. Oh, no. Oh, no. This wine went straight to my head. Oh, Maybe. man. What order were these books in? Are we going to do Punisher Platoon number six also? Yes. Listen, no guarantees about any of that, kids. Punk, no, Punk Platoon. Punisher's <clears throat> not dead. Number 16. Blood Cream Man. Death Blood Born. Cream Man. You guys, I read Ice Cream Man number two this morning. Really? You I know read what's it. really fucking depressing to read in the morning? Ice Cream Man number two? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I read uh, it. This is the first book I read, so I was... You were primed and ready for it? Yeah, no, I, I've had a, a pretty horrible week since. This this was uh, one of the best comics I think I read this week. It's not happy, but it was a really, really well-done comic. Yeah. It was gross. Gross person. It wasn't even the grossness that got me. It was the... It wasn't even that gross. Like the, it's, it's really well-written. So, yeah. so most of the narration, all the narration is done... From the perspective of this woman writing a letter to her uh, heroined out boyfriend. And just the voice in that letter was holy shit good. It was like 
I don't know. You you could see where her education had failed her. You could see where she was high. You could see where she just wasn't a very good writer. Um, and I thought it was really, really effective for giving you some information about that character without, without actually spoon-feeding it to you. Yeah, I do not think it was as fun as the first issue, no. um, but I do think it was like a, a better piece of art. Um, yeah. In the same way, like, Requiem for a Dream feels good like that's how black this, river yeah just gross but real i don't know you want to cry but you also want to take a shower i i really don't like stories about drug addiction mm-hmm. um and this is that to a t but it's beautifully illustrated and beautifully written um i'd like to know like where do you get a balloon of heroin that big that's that, an eight ball right? that's an eight ball well i guess it's I don't the size know. of an eight ball I've never really known what that meant. Did you read this, Roman? I did read it. What'd you think? Um, I've been trying to remember because it was one of the first ones I read, and it was I was really impressed with her voice. And at first, I thought it was, I, it was a little annoying to read, but as I got into it, I mean, it was just so sad. I did enjoy the first one more just because it was fun, even with the giant spider. But and this is so far removed from any of my experience. I. I I felt sorry for this old couple. Oh, God, it was so sad. Yeah. It was really good. It was really sad. It was just horribly touching, heart-rending. I, I did, and I was wondering, how realistic is this? Because it seems like it's pretty realistic, but I don't know. It seemed shockingly realistic to me. Yeah. Even the way that the art progressed slowly, showing their physical deterioration. Yeah, as they you can really see that. And the way that they just keep telling themselves, like, one more time, and then we're going to get clean like we always wanted to, and they just mm-hmm. fantasize all the time about this life where they're clean, but the only thing that makes them feel like that is by doing this drug, and that's just, that's the cycle of drug addiction. Yeah, and I couldn't tell. I thought, I throughout the issue, I was wondering if the guy on the couch was alive or not. I thought he was yeah. going to be dead the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and having, so, the thing that's tying these two issues together is the ice cream man showing up at a certain point in the story and uh, I really like that idea I do too like he, if he's just following people around and, and getting involved in a bad situation because the other one was not good it was a little kid who was living with his dead parents right, right? like that's also pretty fucked up um, this one just seemed to seemed uh, like on, a, on the next level of believability to me right there wasn't a spider demon hanging out on, on her back. Right. She just had yeah. a horse on her back. You like that real shit, don't you? I kind of do. And like to do, to, to bum all four of us out in 22 pages or whatever, yeah. well done. Brady, yeah, how bummed dude. out did it make you? Um, Pretty bummed out. I, <laughs> I had other things going on that were also bumming me out, though, so it didn't, it was just kind of part of the pile, so. <laughs> <laughs> Made you want to do drugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're also recording this podcast on Sunday instead of Wednesday, so pardon us if our memories are a little foggier than normal. Yeah, this, yeah, I remember this one. Indeed, days. Barely yes. remember it was since Tuesday. Yeah, no, it was it was very well done, and I I like what you said about uh, the voice he had for the woman Django because yeah. his this author um, Prince Maxwell, Maxwell Prince. Prince Maxwell Prince W. Maxwell Prince. Art by Martin Morazzo and colors by Chris O'Halloran. His, uh, although it was like a very different voice in the last issue, it was still very notable and very good, yeah. I thought. And I think he's got a good handle on that. I like reading it. 
Yeah, and I think that's a thing that uh, that's difficult for some writers. Uh, like, it's one thing to give an authentic voice to a character or two or three, um, but to make it stand out and be natural at the same time is is kind of tricky. Bendis is terrible at it. Like all of Bendis's <laughs> characters sound like an old guy trying to talk like a young guy, and it's cool. I like I like the way he writes. I like the rhythm of his words. Like I'm never, you know. Sometimes in your brain you stumble over what a how a word balloon goes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen with him. He knows how to write a comic, but they're not super distinct for the most part. But yeah, I don't I don't think that you gave me the text of this issue and the text of last issue that I would immediately assume it was the same person or yeah. even be able to find that at all. Is Superman going to try and talk like a cool kid now? Superman Probably. is a cool kid. He's going to de-age him. He's going to put those red panties on him, and he's going to make what? him talk like a, like a real cool little guy. Oh, man. Just wait. Like, five-year-old Leet speak is on the horizon for Clark Kent. Oh, no. I would give this book an eight. But like Requiem for a Dream, which I have not watched since, I don't know that I would ever want to read this again. I don't read Stray Bullets for the same reason. Yep. Um, I don't, if if it gets bleaker than this for the rest of the series, I don't know that I could do it, but it's only because A, I don't like stories of drug addiction, and B, I don't like sad things, except for I do. I'm hoping it doesn't yeah, continue on the drug thing. I don't yeah, think it will. Yeah, probably not. Just because it's so different from the last one. Yeah. Kinda. yeah. I'm going to give this book also an eight ball. Ocho's. Oh, uh, eight balls gosh. from Django. The Ocho ball. Uh, yeah. I'll give it an eight. Wow. Eight balls. Brayden, how many balls do you give it? Uh, six and a half. Oh, so six think, and a half I, ball. It was, it was very good, but uh, I don't think it's my my comic. Yeah. That's fair. That's that fair. That is fair. You guys, um, on the topic of my comic. <laughs> WWE number 14 by Dennis Hopeless and Serge Acuna. Um, So everyone knows I've been real into WWE lately, and uh, and this comic book's been coming out. And I I think that this comic book scratches a very fun itch in that I love WWE. This one, however, is the start of the Women's Revolution arc, so it's actually about all of my favorite wrestlers. And it is awesome. The art is awesome, and the story is awesome, and it is the opposite of how I felt about Ice Cream Man. It is probably not as high of a caliber as a book as Ice Cream Man, but I loved it because they looked like Bailey. Dennis Hopeless is no joke, and neither is Acuna. Like, yeah, I just... They're we, good writers. Yeah, good but you're, ultimately the problem with a thing like this is that you're trying to create voices for characters that ultimately don't talk a ton So because they they wrestle yeah. more. So... While I, I think that these voices are all really on the money for these characters, uh, my problem with the previous portion of the series was, like, a, a lot of the male characters don't talk as much in wrestling, and it's hard to get their voices into a book. This one, I think, does a really good job because there are a lot of social dynamics um, that happened in NXT before these women rose to, like, Raw and SmackDown and became champions. But yeah, this is this is this is awesome. I I love these wrestlers. I gotta I gotta bolt out of this podcast tonight to uh, go watch a big WWE pay per view. This is told from the perspective of Bailey. That's the one who's I have a tons of Bailey shirts. I maybe you've seen him wearing them. Yeah, I wear a lot of them. I have several. You have uh, Bailey pants. Had that headband for a while. Headband. No, I have several Bailey headbands. Um, yeah, I just I love them, and they all have these big abs and muscles and they're all so nice and 
I love it. Well, Bailey's nice. Yeah, I mean, the four yeah, horsewomen are generally nice. pretty nice, but Alexa is a real butthead in the ring. Outside of the ring, she's just a sweetheart. <laughs> is this canon? I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Her facial expressions are so great. I've seen her make these faces in the short time I've been watch, watching wrestling with you guys. And it's so sweet. Too. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know any of this about the background. I didn't know what NXT was. I, I had no idea about all this. I love this speech. That, what's his name? The old wrestler dude. I think it's Dusty Rhodes. It's Dusty Rhodes. Okay. But that was, it's such a good speech that he gives him about just being yourself, which is her thing. Like, it's really hard to sell I'm the nice person as a WWE yeah. Yeah. character. And that's her thing. And he, he tells her, like, you're sweet. Like, don't, don't doubt that. You're nice. Be as nice as you can. Like, make that your character. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of the issue, I think, with, with Bailey was her struggling with trying to break into this kind of industry without compromising herself. Yeah, and exactly. It was it was cool to see that that character growth in such a short period of time, too. But, yeah. So I would give this one an 8 like I would give Ice Cream Man an 8, but I, I feel like it's sort of the opposite. Um, it was <laughs> very fun for me to read, and I, I want to read the next one, and it was... It was it was just delightful. It was these characters that I love watching and love endorsing this huge fictional world around. And what I love about wrestling is you don't know if what is real or what is fake or what is a story or what's a story that's being constructed because of real events and all this stuff. So, um, yeah. I would uh, give it an... I didn't read this. Yeah. Um, How many? I would say 100%. <laughs> I did not read this. <laughs> Roman, Braden? Uh, I would give this I would give this eight full fledged hugs. Oh because wow. it did make me feel great. I loved reading it. I mean and look at this. This is Bailey's Captain America moment. She looks so sad and everything. And then she she rallies the stars, that look on her face, she does that smile all the time. You're it's not like, gonna yes. hook me, Roman. I'm well, gonna hug you. Logan <laughs> and Zoe and Jim Marshall all today came in and we predicted our our, our wins for the big pay-per-view tonight, and we all yeah. think it's Bailey. So <laughs> Cool. Nice. I, I'm, I'm going to this, too. I would give it a, a, a 7, I think. It was mm. it was very good, and I enjoyed reading it. I think I would have enjoyed it more if I was a little more into wrestling. Mm. I was uh, I like Sasha Banks in this. Mm. I really like the backup story that uh, Teeny Howard wrote about Asuka. That's going to keep coming. But, yeah. But, yeah, it was good. It was good. And I think if you're into wrestling... Like, it's going to be great. Bloodborne. Listen, I didn't really understand any of this. I I didn't care about the characters or the peril, but the art was really cool and really gross. And Peter Kowalski. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bloodborne by Alish Cotton, Peter Kowalski with uh, Simpson. Simpson. Colors by Simpson. Brad, Brad Simpson. Brad Simpson. Um, I, I liked it. I don't know if I'll read the next issue, but this, this was a really fun, exciting comic and gross. I thought so too. I uh, I actually have not played the game before, although I know a little more about it than other people, I would say. Me. It's okay. You can say me. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, I've been, I have been playing another video game called Darkest Dungeon lately a whole lot, and it's got a very similar vibe, and it's mm. got a narrator who says a bunch of things in like a, this kind of old timey talk that's very like uh, portentous? I don't know what the right word is, but Port- the, there's, oh, a, there's, like, a, there's like, a lot of gravitas in his words, and they're all very like 
heroes fated to die travel once again into <laughs> it's like stuff like that. So I was reading the whole this whole comic in kind of that that voice, and it made it a lot more fun. Even though I still don't really know why there's, there's a child and there he's being reborn, but I don't really care because I'm just watching him kill stuff, and there's some pretty horrifying monsters. So apparently, in the video game, according to uh, Marshall Gibbons today, the uh, every time you die, you respawn at the beginning of the game, and you have to go through the whole thing again. And uh, he said it's interesting because in in the game you just respawn and have to do it again. But in this, you got a kid with you now. And, like, the kid is what's getting the guy to respawn. Oh. He said, I, he said he knows why it, how it ends. So I don't think he's going to read it. But I, I don't know, man. Just, just this really weird, gross meat monster with ribs in it. That sold me. I read oh, the first, yeah. like, eight pages, and uh, it was just, oh, I was supposed to drive down to Portland that night after that, and... Didn't have time to finish it and haven't come back to it, but I do really like Peter Kowalski's art. He did that book, Sex, and I oh, think that, yeah. that had really nice art in it. Um, like it that? Fleshy. Oh, movie. yeah, the barfy, barfy monster. Like, the way the main character dies, he gets like vomited on by the thing he tries to kill. I don't know where the vomit no. comes from because the thing doesn't have any stomach, but I don't really care. You don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this one a 6.5. It could be a seven. We'll we'll see. If I read the next issue, that that could bump this up to a seven. I give it an eight. Uh, I still, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna read more, even though I don't really know what I'm, what I'm reading. Yeah, but I'm into it. Listen, while we're in the room of Cot, oh, Cot's corner, Cot's oh. corner, Cot's cradle. Oh, crawl up onto this Cot with me. Ooh. Hmm. Let's talk about James Bond 007, The Body, number two. Yeah, by yeah. Alice Cotton and Antonio Fuso on art, colors by Valentina Pinto, like the bean. A different oh, artist than the, the last issue. It was, unfortunately uh, was Guida. a different artist. Unfortunately, but I think they're actually doing different artists on each Every issue. Every issue. So I think it was part of the course rather than like a, a sudden so, change. So how... How related to the? How related do you think this was to the previous issue? Um, not at all, really. Which okay, was a th- little weird because the last issue ended with him like, "All right, time for my psyche valve," and then it was like, "Next issue, James Bond, the head or the brain or whatever." Yeah, it it was really interesting. I liked the first issue a lot, mm-hmm. and I was very hungry when I read this. Mm. Um, and I, I kind of blamed my hunger on my lack of really loving it as much as the first <laughs> issue. Um, I did not love the art choices. There was a lot of nine panel grid, which is fine, but it wasn't using the nine panel grid in an interesting way to me. It was mostly just zoom ups on faces and not even like, like Mitch Garris does a great job of changing really subtle things on a face when he keeps things similar. And there was actually just like repetition of the same face several times in this. Yeah. Um, which, but I, sorry, go. Well, I thought there was, uh, well, there was one really cool use of it. I thought there um, was a couple cool uses, yeah. But but I yeah, just, no, it, it was used almost entirely throughout. Which and when they, when it did break from that, I got really excited. But I I didn't love its really traditional usage of it. And and I don't know. I just thought a, a lot of stuff wasn't conveyed very well in this. And I still don't understand her motivations in this at all. Yeah, I wasn't... Roman, you read this, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure exactly what 
She did. She sold some weapons to terrorists. She sold biochemical weapons to terrorists that had but, a half-life that would cause them to no longer be effective after a certain amount of time. Right. And it, it, she made sure that it wasn't going to get used until that half-life was over. Right. So she sold this thing to these terrorists to prevent them from actually creating a real attack and then preventing her country. From, I don't, there wasn't a clear reason why she would have done this and she didn't take money and she wouldn't tell people that she actually did the right thing. So James Bond ends up torturing her to death in this? Not to death. Not to death. Okay, no. no I, I just thought she'd be. fucking waterboarding her. Yeah. Well, yeah, Holy she cow. doesn't die. No, but it's like, why doesn't, like, there's no reason as far as I could tell for her to not tell him what she had done. I think she's trying to show that they're using, that they're using, like, torture and stuff when to do things that they don't need to. I don't know. There, there was... Illustrate the hypocrisy of her yeah, own country. but... I was disappointed in it. I, I guess I was looking forward to a story about what had been set up in the first issue, yeah. and now it seems like each issue is a sort of metaphorical extension about him as it relates to a portion of his body. So, like, this was the brain, and the last one was, I forget. The body. body. Was, the body. So, like, they're all, so this is an extension, I guess, of, of his brain. I, I don't know. it was about her brain. I mean. Yeah. I, <laughs> he doesn't really. I mean, his brain was working, but. Yeah, yeah I don't know. But that's. <laughs> not very well since he couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I think it, I, I gave it a six. I really liked the first one. I wanted this to be better. I was I ended up disappointed by it, but I blamed myself. But now that everybody feels like they don't have a clear way of saying what was going on, I, I feel comfortable saying six. I give it a six point five. I mean I still like I still enjoyed it. Like I just wish like I could and I could tell something smart was happening, but I couldn't, Is couldn't it quite though? get it. I mean I don't know. I get I think so. I'll give it a Six sounds pretty good. I mean, I liked... It's all coming back to me now since I read it a while ago, but I didn't like the art, but I did like her. I liked her dialogue. I liked her reasoning once she reminded me of it. Um, Bond, it, it wouldn't have mattered to me if it had, hadn't been Bond. If it had been Matt Helm, I don't care. It could have been yeah. anybody in there. But, so I'll, I'll give it a six minutes under waterboarding. <laughs> you are good, Roman. And Matt Helm, I think, is... Dean Martin's secret agent that he played. Oh, all right. <laughs> so the next one, the cover doesn't say what it's about. It's just the body again, but it looks like a very different story. One sauna, 22 neo-Nazis, one Bond. James Bond. This weapons deal won't go according to plan. Speaking of punks who won't die, punk's not dead. This punk. Number one. Uh, by, oh, who is this? By David Barnett with art by... Oh, my. Um, oh, well, importantly, uh, cover B by Bill Sienkiewicz. Oh, Sienkiewicz, um, actually. Art, art by Martin Simmons. And uh, I guess he does the, the color flats by D. Kunif. Uh, this is... I love Martin Simmons on Sherlock. He's great. <laughs> Martin Freeman. Oh, yeah, him too. Oh, Martin my Sheen. God. So here we We're are. We're just doing free association. <laughs> Martin Freeman is the guy from Sherlock. That's how you segue, right? Uh, so this follows a kid who <laughs> is kind of a nerdy redhead in England whose new best friend is Sid Vicious, who he met in an airport as a ghost. 
And for some reason, Sid was able to follow this kid home. He hasn't been able to leave the airport for a long, long time. And now the kid can hang out with Sid Vicious. Sid can give him tips on fighting. And uh, not a whole lot happens in this issue, but holy cow, I liked it. The art was amazing. The story was not like groundbreaking or anything, but definitely very interesting. And um, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I I would I would read this without any of the words. Just just the that just was the art. Like David Mack even. Yeah, it's it's fully painted look, and uh, looks like Sandman hanging out with Harry Potter's buddy. Is Peter Milligan writing this? Who's no, writing this? no, this is... Uh, He's written some of his Black Crown books. David Barnett. Oh, okay. Well, he really, as far as I know anyway, being a dumb American, he really captures the the Britishisms in here. I mean, I love yeah. this fight in the beginning with this big doofus. I love Sid Vicious's dialogue when he first shows up in the bathroom. He's making fun of the middle-aged guy taking a piss. Yeah, and then, and then finds he out the kid can see him. Drops his pants and spreads his ass at this lady to prove that he's a ghost because she can't see it. <laughs> Why was he following this kid around if he didn't well, realize the kid could see him? Well, well, he was just in the bathroom making fun of people because he's been trapped in Heathrow Airport for 40 years since he died. Sure, but he's also hanging around with his kid. Because the kid can see him. Like the kid. Yeah, he doesn't. Kid, he did, did he meet the to... kid in the bathroom? Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. And, and, and finds out that the kid can see him because the kid's like, what are you doing? And Sid's like, what? Um, okay, I'm. <laughs> It jumps around a bit, okay. Um, you know what this felt like to me, Roman? What? This felt like a Hellblazer flashback when Hellblazer was good. Yeah. Like, yeah, this exactly. This could be a Peter Milligan or a Garth Ennis Hellblazer story or even, yeah, this, this could be anybody that wrote Hellblazer writing a Constantine flashback. Mike Carey? Yeah. No, Mike no. Carey wouldn't, wouldn't have thought of this. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That didn't occur to me, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's probably why I liked it so much is because it, it nails... The dialogue, it nails the supernatural in... I mean, Hellblazer is usually not... The supernatural part isn't the horrific stuff. It's the the fallout from the supernatural things. I'm going to give it a nine. Punk's not dead. I get it. Yes, yeah, and I just got the title. There's, I was like, how come there's no apostrophe? Because it's referring to a specific punk. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it could have an apostrophe, too. But it doesn't. But it could. What if there were two of them? Would it be Punk's apostrophe not dead? So what do you give it, Roman? That's really pu- that's really <laughs> punk to not put an apostrophe. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I'll go to nine. I really liked it. I added it to my polls. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I feel like this is a good moment for us to just pause. We've made it through the bulk of this thing, guys. Yeah. Let's let's take uh, let's, let's thank take, our sponsors. Let's thank our sponsors. Um, Blue Coal Steel. <laughs> Thanks a lot for that. Um, Keeping us warm. Subway got three of the four of us meals today. Yep, thank yep. you for that. I made it through the day because of that. Uh, I want to talk about Harry's razors. No, I don't. Because <laughs> we don't. Have... We should. We should thank the Cole Tiger. The Co- Nicole Tiger. No, Cole Tiger. Um, I like Nicole and Tiger. Nicole Tiger. So we got a minute thirty on the clock here. Oh shit! Raiden oh god! Smith, what are we doing? Are the buckshot guy? Wind it up. Click click click. Ninety seconds. On the clock, 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 go. Tales of Suspense featuring Haka and the Winter Soldier, part three of five. Red Ledger. Uh, Jay's been talking up this book a lot every time he comes in. And I started I started reading the second issue earlier last week because I was curious about it. I didn't get totally on board with the first issue, but I think I think I'm I'm down for this whole ride now because there's a lot of real good banter between 
Hawkeye and Winter Soldier, and it's pretty funny. And there's it's a genuine like kind of mystery that I'm getting curious about. A lot of people end up dying, and it's like some it gets kind of shitty and like a little dark at times, which is kind of nice, even though it's still funny. And they like go to this secret assassin's apartment to like interrogate her and. Hawkeye's eating out of her uh, fridge, getting some leftovers and stuff. <laughs> and in the fridge, there's, like, you see, like, milk and cheese and also, like, nitroglycerin bottles. And it's just, like, uh, just <laughs> cute stuff like that. It's uh, it's another Matthew Rosenberg Marvel book, which I haven't really gotten tired of yet. Like, he's doing solid work, and I like it. Hawkeye Winter Soldier. Check it out. Um, I also read Power Rangers, and... It's setting up for this uh, Shattered Grid storyline that's coming, starting with issue 25. Uh, Dracon's coming back, who is like evil Tommy from the future, which was a really cool part about that first arc. I feel like it kind of fizzled out, so I'm hoping they do some cool stuff. A couple of... Seven and a half tells of suspense... Uh, Seven on the Rangers. It's 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 good, but it's it's still kind of wobbly, and it's changed the art since the beginning, which I'm not super pleased about. Man, I'm looking at your uh, your pile, the the book you didn't get to there, the Swamp Thing and Cave Carson. Oh yeah, but you're curious about that did one. Did you read it? I did. What do you give it? Uh, that other. I give it another seven, seven and a half. I, I would give it a seven or seven and a half too. I I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. I, Forgot I'd even read it. Though. I mean, it had some good barfing in it. Jeff, go. <laughs> um, I do want to just say really quickly that Thor, Mighty Mighty Thor 704, uh, Jason and Russell Dowderman, it's it's just one of the highest caliber books coming out. Like, writing and art, it's just simply one of the best books. Some For some reason, I get two pages in. Like, I always am just like, oh, am I still reading this? What's, and then it takes a page, and then I'm just like, what the fuck was I thinking? This is amazing. So a big thing happens at the end of that. I think we all kind of saw it coming, but it's... Uh, it's awesome, so that's great. Um, Bat Power Rangers Shattered Grid Twenty Four. Uh, just to just because he didn't get time to say it, Dracon. I really like that character. I like alternate versions of characters. I know I like bad versions of it. And I had a toy version of Saba when I was a child Ooh. that spoke. And I tried to throw it up over my power line in my backyard, and, and it fell down, and the head came off. Oh, and just like in the spoilers, but Dracon. Cuts off Saba's head in this issue. <laughs> and uh, The Further Adventures of Nick Wilson, number two, by Eddie Gorodetsky and Mark Andreiko, illustrated by Steven Sadowski. I really like this book. I really liked the first issue of this book. Um, this one, he's still hanging out with that old high school girlfriend, but they're not, like, really seeing each other, but their banter is so awesome, and it's just, like, possibly romantic, but it also just... You can feel that they used to be close and they still like each other and value each other because of that. And that's very cool. And his old arch nemesis approaches him so that they can start merchandising on their old fuse that they used to have. And it's just this interesting business model. Uh, really like it. Really like it. I like that angle on the villain. It's yeah. It's as good as the first issue for sure and it, it feels just like a weird comic book um, I give Mighty Thor 704 a 9 I give Power Rangers uh, Shattered Grid Prelude 24 I give that one a 7.5 I just agree with everything Braden said about it um, and The Further Adventures of Nick Wilson number 2 I would give an 8.5 I, the art is fine but it just is exactly what I like in an indie comic it's just like sort of the, the awkward aspects of being a human being 
Um, Jeffrey, I didn't have a uh, a Sava sword, right? But I did have the white Tiger Zord action figure. Oh, I did not. And I loved it. It is cool. It was great. God, those Power Rangers toys. Got all of them. Um, Jango or Roman? Wrong paper scissors for me, real quick. Ready? One, two, three, throw. One, One two, two, three, three, thing. Ready, Ready? Roman? What? Ready? One. We're going to rock paper scissors. How do you do rock paper scissors? What? Oh Jesus Christ! I'll do All, right. It. All right, Django. All right, Django's up first, and Roman is I never a played disappointment. This I never played this as a kid. Deadpool versus Old Man Logan, number five, by Declan Shalvey, Mike Henderson, and Lee Lowridge. Uh, this is the last issue. Believe it or not, I've been reading this. I like Wolverine and Deadpool almost as much as I like Venom. The art is great. The story is thin. The jokes are really, actually, really pretty great. Um, I dug it. Vinegar Teeth, number two, by Troy Nixie, Damon Gentry, Guy Major, and Michelle Madsen. Um, this is just more really funny, hard-boiled, gross detective. The, the art is great. It reminds me of, um, I I don't know, it reminds me of like boils on your feet or something. It's, it's perfect. Hit Girl, <laughs> issue number one, by Mark Miller and Ricardo Lopez-Ortiz. This follows the actual Hit Girl instead of uh, like the Hit hit. Uh, hit boy, hit boy, whatever the other comic is, kick, kick ass. ass, kick girl. They followed a, a new character. Um, she's looking for a sidekick. She finds a sidekick. Uh, the art is awesome. A little over animated for me, but I still like that. Batman: Sins of the Father, number one. Apparently based on a video game. This is Christos Gage and Raphael Yanko with colors by Guy Major. This has beautiful art. The story's a little wordy and a little bit off. Of what I like for my Batman, but I am I'm in until this series is over. Uh, Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman number one, six issue miniseries. I wanted to like this a lot more than I did. The art's great. There's way too many words, and I don't like the setting. Also read Batman and the Signal number two. It was not great. Oh, no. <laughs> I had the very similar thoughts on Brave and the Bold. I really, really like the art. Yeah. I really, really don't like Steve Trevor. <laughs> This is your classic yeah. instance of an artist who's got a lot of skills being given the writing and art duties on a book. Um, that that page in particular, I was trying to show Jeff. Oh God, yeah, the, the, yeah. I actually laughed out loud on the train in the uh, Deadpool and Old Man Logan, where uh, Deadpool asks for a fist bump and Wolverine's like "fuck you," and then he decides to actually do it. And then after, during the fist bump, he snicks out and just cuts a hole in his hand. <laughs> oh, it's, that's it's really awesome. good. <laughs> Um, I almost posted that on social media. I was like, nah, if there's a spoiler in this whole comic, that's yeah, the spoiler. That's a joke. <laughs> um, why, are they, uh, why are they fighting these two? Who, who knows? Who cares? There, there's, a, <laughs> there's a young girl who they both want to save, and she doesn't really want to be saved. Turns out she's an asshole, and they, she doesn't deserve to be saved. Um, she thinks they're both butts. She keeps thwarting them both. Like, they're both kind of idiots. They are kind of both butts, yeah. Yeah. Is this the last issue of it? Yeah, it, it's over. I mean, I don't read a whole lot of Deadpool crossovers, but I really like Old Man Logan, and, and the art was good, and I like Declan, so I, I'm going to give that one uh, seven and a half. I'm going to give the whole series also a seven and a half. It was it was fine. So you're a big fan of Old Man Logan. Yeah. Do you like Wolverine as much as you like Old Man Logan? It's been a long time since we actually saw Wolverine, but <laughs> I, I started wolf reading Wolverine when he'd been captured by the mob and Howard Chaykin was drawing him, mm -hmm. so like maybe ten issues before Old Man Logan. And I've I've always kind of been into him. Way back in the day, I was reading like the Mark Textera, um, uh, but you Will's Portacio. But I I, w I would say if there wasn't a Batman, 
Wolverine would would move up about four spaces in my in okay. my favorites. So this whole like Wolverine having died and Old Man Logan coming around has been pretty good for you because you've gotten a lot of Old Man Logan comics and sounds like you like him maybe as much or possibly more than Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I probably wouldn't be reading a monthly Wolverine story unless it was an old man. written by a heavy hitter. Okay. Like if if it was a really solid series, but honestly, like. After they kind of solved all the mysteries of Wolverine's past, I didn't care. Yeah. The thing that was interesting to me was like how much of Weapon X is true. What is his history in uh, battles with like being side by side with Sabretooth before they both got messed with? Mm-hmm. When they did Origin and when they said, "Oh, here's the definitive Wolverine story," I think it. I think it lost all interest. I would for love me. some more like. War stories with Wolverine, yeah, like Garth oh. Ennis writing a World War Two Wolverine the Marvel platoon, be- yeah, like I would yeah. love, 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 love that. It would, it would be yeah. Wolverine grunts, Civil War Wolverine, Vinegar. Hey, Roman. Oh, can I give numbers? Oh, sorry, yeah, oh. I thought you did. Vinegar Teeth. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna give that, uh, I'm gonna give that a seven and a half. Also, it's almost an eight, but I don't like the guy's hat, even though it's a major part <laughs> of his character. Hit Girl gets a solid seven. I'm gonna keep reading that. Cool. Batman Sins of the Father. I'm going to give the art an eight, and I'm going to give the story a six. Batman Brave and the Bold. God, exactly the same. Uh, the the gags were forced. The art was awesome. I would say a third of a third of the words, and I would have been totally in. Uh, Batman and the Signal. I'm going to give a five. Uh, this comic is not good. I would take my name off it if I were you, Scott Snyder. I mean, five's not That's what I was trying horrible. to tell the DC executives was like, you are yeah. diluting your brand with Scott Snyder. They're like, why were you guys doubtful about ordering metal? And we're like, because you've put his name on everything, and even when he's just co-plot. Anyway, this Batman's Sins of the Father art is amazing, and it has yeah. like overtones of Frank Quietly in it. Yeah. Oh, oh really? I, I'll have to read that now. Let me just tell you how bad Batman and the Signal is for me. It's a three-issue miniseries. I've beat my way through two. I buy every Batman book... And I might not read the last issue. <laughs> wow. Gosh. Wow. I didn't read this issue, the second one. Roman. You yes. got you've got some time on the clock, Rome Dead. Alrighty. Say when. Oh, you are six seconds in. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> the Brave and the Bold, number one, Batman and Wonder Woman. I actually really, really, really like this. The art is gorgeous. Yeah, I don't care about Steve Tremor, but he won't be in the issues after this one. But the art is so beautiful, and I'm a sucker for Kukulain and the uh, Irish mythology, the worlds of fairy, all of that. Definitely going to be reading this one. Twisted Romance number three of four. This is my favorite issue of this so far. The the lead story, science fiction story about two enemies. Uh, one's a military man, one's a, you could say, a freedom fighter. <laughs> Um, it's just so cute and sweet, and they're attracted to each other, and at the end of the story, there's happiness, and that was nice to see. The flip story was a love story between a cat and a mouse, also with science fiction overtones, really cool, beautiful, weird art, just a lot of fun. Um, Jim Henson Storytellers, Fairies, number, tale three of four. This is art by Tyler Jenkins from Grass Kings, Mm -hmm. and I think he wrote it too, if I'm correct. Yes, he did. This is a really fun issue. It was, again, I love mythology. This was a great mythological story. The only drawback to it was that it's a sideways issue, and I don't know why it was a sideways issue. There was, I don't know if that was, the art was better presented that way necessarily, 
But, you know, every time they do a sideways issue, they don't sell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've read, like, sideways stuff, like, digitally. Like, it works a lot better, like, if you're reading, like, a PDF or something like that. But, like... It's not comfortable to turn pages that Dude, way. Dude, if that's the future of comics, I'm out. Yeah, like, that's that's not... You can't... They keep trying to yeah, experiment it, it with it only It only works to lay it on a flat surface and flip it that way. It, it you sucks, because, like, it. I, I, I really liked it, too. I thought it was really cool, and yeah. Tyler Jenkins is amazing art, but, like, you can't hold it and read it yeah. like a comic book. This Tyler Jenkins art looks very different to me than his Grass King stuff and, and his Snowblind stuff. I wonder if it's different different inks or different colors, maybe. Yeah, well, I think good. the colors are different because yeah. the Question figures all look very... Because he's actually more familiar, I feel like, with Tyler Jenkins coloring yeah. and ink. This just says art? Because the figures look weird. very good, very much like regular, like Grass King, but the coloring yeah. is, is different. What do you got for numbers, I it, baby? I thought it said Story and Art by Tyler Jenkins. Yeah, he did it all. Yeah. Um, what do I give them? I give storytellers... Ah, oh, jeez, I give that like a nine for the story and the art. Um, docked a point or two points, whatever, for the sideways. Brave and the Bold, I will give that a 7.5. Um, the other one was tw- Twisted Romance. Jeff's uh, currently flipping through oh. it. For, for, for our viewers at home. I'm going to give that one a 9.5. Well, no, no, I'll give it a nine because I haven't read the text story in the middle yet. So I don't know. I think that... To be fair, uh, I can't give it a full... Definitely gets at the Dark Horse party we were at, I think that Alejandro Gutierrez was there. Oh. But I was pretty drunk. You were. <laughs> I had five drinks over like four hours. Wow. That's not... I mean, Jamie no, was you, telling you, me I was real drunk, but... You... you, I was driving, so I wasn't. Yeah. That, like, that's, that's the difference. Five... Five drinks over four hours isn't irrational. No, no I'm a good no, boy. Not, not at all. I'm a good not boy. Not at all. You were Bill, you were good. Sure. Bill really liked this issue. <laughs> Sorry. But I was definitely infatuated. I have, I have a very, very low tolerance for drinking. Wait, not, personally. Who was there? Alejandro Gutierrez. Gutierrez. The Brandon Graham's girlfriend, the one who did the oh, previous yeah, yeah. issue of this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, You're going right. to like this issue a lot. I am very excited to read it now that you Jeff's into that. cat and mouse games. No, I just really like the shot of the butt in the back. <laughs> <that you just laughs> mentioned. Uh, All right, you guys. Listen, speaking of butts. Yeah, Jeff's got to get out of here and go do some wrestle stuff. So let's keep on moving through these things here. Talking about butts. I don't understand that transition, uh, so let's let you do it. Oh, I get Buttman it. number 41, uh, written by Tom King with art by. Is this uh, Janin? Is Janin doing this? Yeah, it's Mikhail Janin. Mikhail Janin. Um, and uh, Jun Chung on colors. Holy shit, I like this comic. Me too. Jeff? I also really liked it, but <laughs> it's a, it was the first one of these and like a handful of issues that really felt like it was a part of a story that this was like setting up. And that is not a problem at all, but the last several issues have been like immediately gratifying. And this one uh, was laying the groundwork for a story that was going to be more gratifying. So mm-hmm. it, it was it was less comprehensively gratifying to me, but it, I feel like it's going to be amazing. And that that splash page of Poison Ivy's head is amazing and yeah. almost one to one scale. And yeah. Ski from DC, DC Ski was telling us that the next issue is one of the most amazing things he's, he's ever, ever read. read. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah. It was definitely a step away from the Batman's getting married underlying story that we're all super pumped for. And I do, I don't want that every issue because, like I've said, I love it and I don't want to get burnt out on it. Um, but yeah, this one was a piece of a thing where each issue has felt more like a whole thing itself lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I wanted more, but every every aspect of that is because this is a good comic. It wasn't a step that far away though. 
Like, yeah. it starts with Batman and Catwoman in, in bed. They have an altercation in the Batcave while Batman's being controlled by Poison Ivy. Like, they're, like this is addressing things that are happening in Batman's home life because of his superhero life. Yeah, but it's just, it's not like it's him like, and going on a date with her. No. It's like, it is a, it is a thing that involves them. But I guess what I f- really mean is that it's it's part one of a story that's going to yeah. be several, you know, I very good book. Yeah, nothing. Do you do you think that we're going to get when they publish the omnibus? Do you think they're going to have uh, like a little counter in the corner every time Alfred gets punched by Bruce? Because <laughs> it keeps happening. Right? Does it? Yeah, it's it's happened a few times in in Tom. King's what I would run. rather have would be a counter of the number of times Cat and Bat is said. I was going to say uh, for Meow but... or Meow. They kind of stopped that, didn't they? I wouldn't be surprised. Well, she goes on Batty in this one, I think. Dude, his... Yeah. He keeps punching Flash. Ugh. Well, he tried to punch Alfred again, but... Yeah. Flash shows up and... But, but Poison Ivy has... Spoilers are happening on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> she's taken... She's mind-controlled everyone. She's somehow gotten her, like... Pheromone. Well, she's tapping into power. the green, which is then really tying into like swamp thing stuff. And, and Animal okay. Man. And Animal Man. And she's tapping into the red also. And I think, that was not something I understood. I think that that is part of. I love this book. I love everything he's doing. I love all of it. But this this was more far reaching. I didn't understand exactly what was going on, which is fine. Um, I, I don't know. It was. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, it, I would say it was just slightly under the caliber of the previous stuff to yeah. me, personally. But I still think it's very good. That that's what I thought too. Just because I wasn't, I was expecting more of the Super Friends type stories. And at first, when I realized, oh, it's Poison Ivy taking over the world again. We've seen this so many times, and they're never interesting except when it happened in Swamp Thing, where Rick Beach or whoever or Alan Moore tried it's to tie. Rich. Tire into the to the green and everything, and that was interesting. So the fact they're doing it here, it's like okay, this will probably be like one of the best Poison Ivy tries to take over the world stories. This, yeah, Poison Ivy's power in this impressed me. Yeah, normally yeah. I would put that in the category of cosmic bullshit, and I don't care about it. But this this book, I think we're gonna differ on it, Jeff. I liked I like this a whole lot. Like well, it's and it's just a whole lot. I really don't. I'm trying to like parse my feelings out about it, and it. I think it's coming across like I have any negative feelings about it, and I no. don't have any. It's just that it, it's. I'm saying I liked it on the level of yeah. Super Friends. No, I, I agree. Were you going into like expecting something different, or you? I. I have a friend who likes to talk about things like I love Gambit and like he has the potential Did to be Roman? the most strong, like the strongest mutant in the entire world because he can charge the connect energy. These, um, I don't necessarily love stories where you take a, a character's power to the absolute most extreme, and that's what we're doing with Poison Ivy right here. I I don't dislike it. It's beautiful. It's absolutely has its place, but it is. It's. It seems like it's coming from the. Okay, so she could could do this. So what if we take this power to the absolute extreme? Mm-hmm. And and I don't have any problem with that. But it, it's when that has happened. I I, I don't know. I, I feel like you can kind of take any hero's power to an extreme and then present a story in a way where that person is the absolute most powerful character of all time. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing with Poison Ivy here. Yeah. 
And that that's not a problem. I love that giant, like, floral castle she's made at the end. Um, the art is gorgeous. I love every, all of the characterization in it. I'm going to absolutely love the ride. Um, it's... You know, I, Poison Ivy's also just never been my favorite character. I'm not super interested in her. I mean, she wasn't before for yeah. me. But, no. you know, this is... Um, in terms of, like, taking powers to an extreme, it's usually not something... I mean, it's something I uh, I get hooked on, like, curiosity, usually. But particularly for Poison Ivy, who's someone who I've never seen on this scale before. I thought this was a great character to do that with, in particular... And, like, I've never, yeah, it made me impressed and, like, just, I put it down and was like, wow, like, I'm excited to see what Poison Ivy can do now. I kind of like my, my Batman and my Batman and my Swamp Thing and my Swamp Thing and oh, my yeah. Animal Man and my Animal Man. So, like Roman said, like, they did do a Poison Ivy in this context a little bit before. And, and I don't know, I guess that, like, Batman immediately tying into those other things, uh, it's, I don't, I, I don't know, I, it, it's... I know what you mean, though. Though, with Batman, I like in this, I can accept it because early issue of Swamp Thing, Batman and him meet in Gotham City and that kind of thing. And I think, but they have done this before. Like, wasn't that one of the main parts? Of, what was that? Oh, that big Batman 12-issue uh, thing that Jim Lee first rose to prominence Hush. on. Was it Hush? Isn't there an issue of that where Poison Ivy takes over Superman? I yeah, mean, we've, seen, we've seen this before. I don't before. think that was the first time Jim Lee rose to prominence. <laughs> no, <more laughs> but it was a big not. Batman thing. It was the first time like I really DC. paid attention to it. One of his many rises to prominence. <laughs> it, was, it, was, yeah. it was, yeah, some of his big DC stuff. Uh, I have one complaint about this, and it, it involves the advertisement for uh, the Justice League <laughs> motion <Vinyl>? picture <laughs> soundtrack oh, on vinyl. Pretty cool, right? Vinyl's cool, uh, but it comes in, in some different colors. Aquaman green, cyborg silver, flash red, standard black. That's Batman Black, you idiots. Well, yeah. yeah, I don't know why they didn't. Standard Batman Black. And how come Wonder Woman didn't get one? She doesn't Ooh. have a color, I guess. Because she's a woman. Yellow would have been a good one. Gold, yeah. Well, um, I give this an 8. I, I give this a 9.5. Yeah, I... I uh, very I, good book. I give, I, I'll give it a 7.5. Okay. I give it a 9. All that's over a, the place. That's I a like good it. spread for us on yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, what's wrong with us? Are we okay? I don't know. No, yeah, I, you guys have a fever? I, I really fever. liked that. I, I cannot stress enough that like I really liked it, and I this is a perfect yeah, part Yeah, you gave of it a higher run. score than I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for me to point out a flaw in a thing more than anything means that I like it enough that I can I can say I love all of this except for this one thing, whereas if I, if I don't love it, there's just too many things that come to mind to mention. So like that... Yeah. I really like it. Django's looking at me like I've slapped him in the face with this well, whole I, thing. Well, I just, I, I had I had a, a segue I was working on. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Get in there. Well, I mean, how are you guys feeling? I got a fever. Kind of behind? I got a fever. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Jungle fever? fever? Oh, I was, oh, Jesus, guys. Jesus. I was just going to say I got, like, Vietnam fever, but... Oh. That's, sure, less, had... that's less of a clear reference than Jungle Fever. Oh, Listen, yeah. let's move was, into I the I was trying to think of some Marilyn Monroe song or something. Punisher Platoon number six, final issue of this miniseries that we've talked about almost every issue of. Um, and in this issue, Frank wins the Vietnam War. How did he do it? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Because he's Castle. <laughs> what did you guys think about this? I, I, I sent a group message out after reading oh, it, yeah. telling everyone how much I oh. loved it. I liked it. I didn't love it as much as you, but I sure yeah. did like it. The write-up at the end was really what I loved so much. Mm, um, yeah. I forgot to go back and read Garth's letter. I need to still do And that. the letter from the Vietnam vet in there. It's, um, it's a great that. letter yeah. on the first page of the letter page. I just really liked Garth's write-up talking about why he's fascinated about war comics, why he gets along so well writing Frank comics, and 
and then talking about some of his future plans for Frank Castle. Um, it, this was just a piece of a basically a much larger thing that I really want to get more of. I really want more war comics from him using characters. Uh, I, I think it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, we're I going think, to. I think that the ending was kind of a bummer because it never really answered the question of who was interviewing those people the whole time. And that was a thing that I was really curious about the whole run. I was like, worried it was going to be Garth Ennis by the end. I oh, thought it was, I was weird. worried it was going to be him. I was worried it was going to be the girl like we talked about at the end of the mm-hmm. first issue. I was worried. I, I think. And he just left it anonymous, which is fine. I kind of liked it because it's like the, the one guy was pointing out, like, when the writers asked him questions, like, what did he look like? And what, what when this happened, it's like, it's none of your goddamn business. I fucking love that. Loved was between that. them. Yeah. yeah. Like, and yeah. that's like. That's what, it kind of feels like, you know, this writer is here doing this thing, which is allowing this comic to happen, but, like, this writer doesn't, like, he wasn't there. Like, he doesn't really know what's happening. Like, this isn't, this book isn't about the writer at all. Yeah, and I, right. I just wish that that was more of a part of our 21st century of just sort of, like, it's none of your damn business. Like, people mm-hmm. don't say that enough. Like, yeah. You know, like it's not my browser not, history is none of your goddamn business, and I support That's that between me and my internet and your Kleenex. I, it's not that <laughs> it's it. It's just that we have this weird sense of entitlement to inf- information anymore. Read a lot of very sad articles. You know, yeah. I could have sworn in the first issue though they did give a name to the writer because he'd written some book. Oh, yeah, they, sure. they did. Yeah, I just thought it was going to be a, like, a, oh, it was no. this person. You know, I no. thought there was going to be. But it's more like it's almost like this. You're reading this story from a modern perspective, but this story is not this story is about the Vietnam War and this this is a totally different thing. This is not being told like that. This is it was almost a comment on the way that you're reading it and what you're expecting out of the story. Because yeah. the story didn't really go anywhere you didn't expect. No. You were along for the ride. Nothing was super telegraphed, but this this is a war story and these these guys are probably all going to live, right? Like, just the note that it ended on, though, like, yeah. this whole, I don't know, he he humanized Frank in a yeah. way that I, I don't understand how he was able to do, but in this way yeah. that, like, he cared more about his platoon than anything, and the fact that they all, like, I love that aspect of war stories, because I love the camaraderie there, and the fact that caring about each other is what got these people through these situations, and all of them are just, like... I fucking love that guy. He kept us, every single one of us that went to Vietnam with him came back alive. And that is insane. And then they say, like, we were flying out and we were expecting to sort of just catch one last glimpse glimpse of him as he walked away. But he stood there and waved at us. Didn't they say he didn't wave? Nobody saw him waving. That's only for us. Okay. I didn't even get that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I don't know. That is, so then why they even lied? I don't know. But like that, like, I, I love I love that I love just like the sort of the hidden moments between people that that you never know about like in Lost mm. in Translation when what's his face whispers and what's her face is yeah. here you know like that sort of so I love those moments like that and this whole thing was just sort of like how do you talk about war like you almost can't it's just too much and yeah like what do you need to clarify you don't need to clarify it's like I don't want to relive that when I watched that documentary I talked to a couple veterans and I was like I watched this thing and all of them were just sort of like that's a good box set over there let's go talk about like it's not a thing that people want to relive it's not a thing that people are proud of so to have it illustrated in that way was I I loved it and they only talk about it like my grandpa was in was in uh, the end of World War II in Korea and but he never 
talked about any of that stuff, even to his own children. After he died, when we were cleaning out his place, we found a box full of all of his medals. And my dad was like, I didn't know he had any of these medals. Right. No idea, because they only talk about it with the guys that were there. And it's, well, and they, they, like, they did such horrible things and yeah, things that they, like, whether they don't want to talk about it because it was traumatic or because they're ashamed or, like, put a bunch of good people in really bad situations there. And it's yeah. not... And the only people can understand is the guys that were there. Yeah, we, we can't even comprehend what it would be like to have a secret like that that you that everybody knows you have that you can't talk about because you just can't talk about it. And this artist, Goran Parlov, is incredible. When there are just shots of airplanes, when there are... Sh- like, I almost can't like put it into words. His His art is... I, I haven't read Fury Max, and I desperately want to right now. I just pulled uh, out a bunch of issues for you today. Did Actually, you really? going through the old comics, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm trying to get you a full set. I really <laughs> want to read it, but this guy's sh- like he has such mastery of everything. He has mastery of uh, autom- automotives or whatever airplanes, you know that word. Um, he has mastery of environment. He has mastery of motion. He has mastery of human expression. Like this is a profoundly good artist who does not do that much mm. stuff and couldn't probably do like superhero stuff, but can do this in exceptionally like, well. Like headed towards Mitch Garrett's kind of level of characters, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not quite there for me, but you get, you get almost as, as much emotion and inner dialogue from his faces as you do from Mitch. But I would say probably better environmental work for Absolutely. Me. Like it's... yeah. Uh, I, there were shots in this comic book that reminded me of watching that documentary of just like seeing landscapes in the right way. So I would give this a nine, and a lot of that is is also just like it ended on this note of this writer telling you why he loves this stuff and how he got into it. These are the books and the movies that made me love it, and then these are the things that if you want to get into it, you should check out. And then uh, and then to end it on this really wonderful note of like I've been writing this character for you know twenty years. He just sort of pops up in my life at different times, and I realize that that's a thing that is inescapable and I have more stories on the horizon. So it ended on this note of like, you loved this thing, awesome, and there's more coming. Yeah. So it, it, a part of that really helped me love it more. What do you I, give the series? Um, <clears throat> I, I would give the series a nine. I think it was incredible, but I also like, I got really interested in war history in the seven or eight months that this has been coming out. I think I'm a little more jaded than you yeah. about Garth Ennis war stories because I've read Almost everything he's done, and I've read like this and some of Preacher one and and Punisher Born, which yeah. does a really good job. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna give this uh, an eight. I'm gonna give the series an eight. I liked I liked every bit of it. Um, I don't think that I guess to sell this needed the Punisher name on it. I don't think it needed to be a Punisher story. There, there's nothing that ties us back to Frank Castle. Oh, I think it did. Oh, mm-hmm. was it the blue eyes? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It it felt to me like he wrote this story, and then Marvel said, "Hey, you got a Punisher story?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, sure. This, yeah, why not?" <laughs> um, but I, I loved I loved the scams that the the guys were running. I loved like the the politics, like the like the in army politics that were going on. Um, and yeah, the the art and the story were were engaging the whole time. I kind of want to sit down and, and read it from start to finish because I think I. I tend to lose track of characters in army situations. Yeah. Um, 
and I read a lot of a lot of war books, but I don't keep real close tabs on the characters, and I'd like to read it with a an eye towards those, like how is this guy different from this guy, different from that guy, sure. other than their buttons on their hats or whatever. Braden, um, I give this issue uh, a three. I give the series a ten. All right. Okay. There Holy was only shit. one one good shot of Frank in it, and it didn't even have his. You, you don't see his blue eyes the whole <laughs> issue. So, so like, <laughs> I was really reading this issue for very different reasons. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I skim through these every time I read them. I'm not reading probably like barely any of the dialogue between like the writer and the, and the vets. I'm usually only reading the stuff that's actually going on in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So you would say like a three. Sure. Like not very good comic. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, He's giving it a three based on how many times you see Frank's eyes. I'm, I'm reading this, this series for one reason and, and th- those eyes are it. Well, two reasons. Two reasons. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the, the rest of the eyes in the rest of the series give bring it up to a 10 for sure. They're fine. <laughs> They're fine. Wow. Fantastic. What do you got, Romy? Did you read it? I think I'll give the series a 8. I'll give this issue, uh, boy, like a 7.9 because it, I was like, eh, it's an okay issue, blah, 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 until the very, very end. And I loved the last page, the, like the last two pages and the letters page. You got to go back and read that letter from that Vietnam vet. I will. Um, those bumped it up for me. Uh, God, I, I was, was going to say something else. I forgot. Oh, I thought this tied in, like Braden said, I thought this tied in pretty well to uh, who Frank Castle, who on his road to the Punisher. Because um, I, if I'm thinking of it correctly in my head, the uh, Punisher born is set after this. Mm-hmm. And so this was a good setup to lead into that. It was for that. I mean, so I, I agree with Jango, and I agree. I agree with you guys as well. I think that this could be about anyone, as long as that anyone is somebody that ended up being some incredibly violent mm-hmm. force for the war. Mm-hmm. Um. So it could be Punisher, or it could be Nick Fury, or Nick Fury. Like it, it doesn't need to be the Punisher, but it it needs to be a story about somebody who ultimately. Uh, greatly affected things. Mm. So it didn't need, I don't think it needed to be Marvel. I don't think it needed to be like Punisher, like future Punisher, like War Machine Punisher flying around. But I do think that it needed to be somebody, it couldn't have been told without, it wouldn't have meant as much if it weren't being framed as this is the first step of a journey. But he really just affected those guys' lives, right? Like who else did he, he didn't change much. He, He got rid of one dude who was hurting people by trading heroin and guns and, and, and like being a little bit sketchy. And he saved these five or six guys at the table and went back for more. So like, I, th- I think that it's, it's not to diminish those few people, but it wasn't, it's not like he changed the direction of the war or cha- or saved a million lives. He yeah, but, affected some people. But to my mind, that wasn't, that wasn't what, I, what that was the point I was trying to make about his journey to being becoming the Punisher. This shows his, uh, I guess, not his style, his determination and his single mindedness that later we see full born, or and you, not no mm-hmm. pun intended, in the Punisher. But yeah, you um, see that it. He's always been this, but there was a transformation. But this is this first step on this journey, and. It's undeniable. Everyone around him can has always been able to see this part of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, you could remove that, and it's still an amazing war story. 
of just like, the, but it would be about the soldiers. That I don't know the the framing of these soldiers talking about this person, like the fact that it's framed around an interview. All of it has to be a, about an icon or about a legend. This this thing could only exist as people talking about this thing. Because he's a bad guy in the Marvel universe, and so for them, he's not a bad guy. Right, and like th- everything he did in the war trumps whatever he's doing right, now for them. I, I guess, and I just, I guess, I just love that. Like, and I love that duality of just like, is he bad? Is he good? He saved our lives. He kept all these people alive. But he's also a murderer. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I it, was this the issue? Was it in this issue where one of the survivors says when they're around the table in the restaurant that um, that's the point? I mean, that's the only way you get through a war. A war. It's not the cause. It's not the sides. It's it's just like you're fighting for the guys around you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Was that bring, I don't know if it was this issue or previous one, but that was like watching that documentary. That was what a lot of those guys said. Like yeah. that's like we were totally lost there. We didn't have our families. We didn't have our country. We didn't have any understanding of why we were there. So the only thing that got us through the day was knowing that we needed to be alive and that we need to keep our friends alive. And like that's, but Django's point, I think that. I haven't read most of his war stories, and I don't know how easily I'd be able to get into them as just a war story. So Punisher is like the KY. He's the KY of getting into a story. You just chalk it on there, and it it, it makes it much easier to get into this story. Like, war is an abrupt thing to get into, but you already know the Punisher, so it makes it easier to feel connected to it. I would recommend reading Soldier in the Soldier in the Rain by William Gibson, same guy that wrote The Princess Bride and Neuromancer? Marathon Man. Uh, sorry, Walter Gibson. Okay. No. No, that's the shadow. That's right. He wrote Click? The Shadow. Golding. William, William Golding. Golding. Yeah. <laughs> Soldier in the Rain by William Golding, um, who wrote The Princess Bride and Marathon Man and a handful of other really good books. Um, it's goofy. But it's set during uh, it's set in the army and and kind of probably set me up to enjoy these kinds of stories. Well, listen, he didn't mention it in his list of oh, suggestions no. at the end. So. Garth Ennis, this is not on Garth's does, radar. Oh, does he mention? I don't remember. Does he mention Matterhorn or no. a book called What It's Like to Go to War? I can't remember the name of the author. He wrote both those books. And Matterhorn is supposed to be like one of the best books no. about about Vietnam, being a soldier in Vietnam. Is uh, Redwall in there? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Jeff, I heard you Matterhorn's had a, in here. Oh, it is. By Carl that Marlantis. guy. Read his books. I heard you had a haiku, and, a hi- and then you got to go. I've got to, I'm already You got a haiku tale about it. Um, I do have a note that I want. I, I think we all have haikus. I, I know, I know I, Django I has a haiku. I got, I got, dude, I got a fucking haiku. I think I have a better one. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah? I'll oh, be yeah. the judge. I even, you know a haiku is supposed to have a season reference in it? No. Yeah. Technically, a haiku is, uh, what is it, 353, Eight, seven, three, five, five, six. Let's get a three, sign five, out. Seven, three, six, five. Oh. Let's get a sign out starting with Rowan. If you've got a haiku, read it, and then we'll just bring yeah, it Yeah, I thought it was five, seven, five. It was supposed to be about nature. But mine's not, mine's not about nature. Okay. My first haiku ever for the podcast. Cave Swamp Dog Crew, Existential Juju Milk, Rita Far is Glue. Oh, Swamp Thing Cave Carson. I knew you were going to talk about Rita Farr again. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Rita Farr. Have we had an episode as, as without as Rita Farr since that, that issue of uh, Doomsday Clock came out? Have we? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think yeah, you've I don't think so. forgotten to mention her a single time. <laughs> um, I'm Jeff Figley, and uh, thanks for stopping by. I love all you guys.
Um, it was a lot of fun this last weekend at the thing. Jango, I think what set us apart from everybody is that there are a lot of people there in couples, but we clearly were enjoying each other's company more than anybody <laughs> else in that entire place. Um, I'm sure everybody was like, man, I wish that I got along with my coworker like those two boys do. <laughs> um, so mine is about WWE number 14. Uh, Bailey, precious champ. The burden of being true never looked so good. Oh, Oh, I love it. Uh, my name's Brayden, and uh, my haiku is about Punisher Platoon. Uh, Frank, no blue eyes, sad. Damn, damn, damn. Damn, 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 damn. <laughs> Where are the eyes at? Damn. <laughs> I'm Django. I, wor- I worked really hard on this haiku. What do you got? I worked hard on mine. <laughs> eh, I'm not going to read it. What? No. It's not for ears. <laughs> not there for you ears. No, nope, you got to read it with your eyes, people. Is it about read a bar? <laughs> no, it's not you about have to read, read a bar. bar. <laughs>